Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. One of the things that I've realized as a Marian theologian is the Marian character of the season of Advent. I often talk about that, I write about it, and I'm always excited to see other people doing projects around Mary and the season of Advent. And that's the case with the monks of Clear Creek Abbey, as they release a new album called Rorate Chaley, Marian Sounds of Advent. I'm very excited to have Abbot Philip Anderson, who is the father abbot of the community there, to share about Clear Creek Monastery and Advent and to talk about this new CD release from Sophia Music Group, which is a branch of Sophia Institute Press. So thanks so much, Father Abbot, for joining me. Thank you, Father, for having me. Now, I'm curious, first off, just to know a little bit about Clear Creek Abbey. I know some people that have gone on retreat there. Some of my priest friends have gone there. Uh, I know that you're a traditional Benedictine community. I was trained by the monks at Conception Abbey for a few years, so uh, the Benedictine life has a great place in my heart. So I know you're maybe a newer monastery, if I'm not mistaken. So how did you come to be founded? Well, our our foundation was sort of the result of two projects. On the one hand, at the University of Kansas, you had a number of converts to the Catholic faith, young men and women, who, uh, it's, it's kind of a long story how that happened in a program about great books, Western civilization. So we have these converts wanting to do something, and uh, their professor saying, well, go to Europe and find a monk in ancient Benedictine monastery in the heart of France, Fontcombeau, and they were wanting to found, they had many vocations wanting to found in the United States. So the two projects sort of came together, and then in late 1999, some monks arrived. This whole thing started in the 70s. So we were in, a lot of us were there waiting to do this for about 25 years before it actually happened. And then it happened in 1999, well, towards the beginning of 2000. Your monastery is kind of of a traditional nature. You celebrate the Latin Mass or the extraordinary form. And just what's the life like for a monk at Clear Creek Monastery? Well, we are a contemplative community. In other words, we don't have pastoral duties outside the monastery, as some uh, monks often do in America, especially at conception of others. And uh, so it's following the rule of St. Benedict, seven uh, offices, divine prayers a day, and once at night, matins. We get up very early, well before dawn, and sing our matins, and then lauds about the time of dawn. And throughout the day, the day is punctuated, following sort of the rhythm of nature as the sun comes up and reaches its zenith at noon and, and goes down. We follow the rhythm of the natural day and then try to pray all day as, uh, as the injunction you know we have in the New Testament to pray without ceasing. And uh, so that's what it's that we monks learned, though, in early days uh, in Egypt that you can't pray all day. You, you need a variety, and so we vary with the work, manual labor, and intellectual work and other things uh, throughout the day. And that's a beautiful thing, your vocation, uh, the contemplative vocation. I was just at a profession for a poor clericolatine nun, so a cloistered nun who lives her life every day in prayer, much as you described. I know they wake up in the middle of the night to yes. offer their prayers uh, as well. So I, I think for some people, when they look at your life, 
And they say, well, these monks, they just sing to God and they go away to this deserted place. Like some people might kind of scoff at that. So what is the value of the monastic life for the world and for the church? Well, it's so, it's so big that influence uh, the contemplative life on the world that it's hard to see. As G.K. Chesterton said, it's easy to miss something, you know, if it's big enough. It's sort of before you. Around the year 500, you had uh, two men that were contemporaries, St. Benedict and then Boethius. Boethius was a famous Christian. He was in politics. He was put to death for his faith and for being on the wrong side of politics in his day. And Boethius wrote a famous book, The Consolation of Philosophy. So life and do what he could. St. Benedict retired to the wilderness, but St. Benedict's rule had an immensely bigger influence on the history of the world. Just all these monasteries which sort of were at the root of the civilization, the European civilization. So the influence of this monastic contemplative life is immense, but it's, it's somewhat hidden from the, 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 the superficial or the, what's on the surface. And it's not the only thing. Of course, you need people out in the world to uh, be uh, carrying on the business of everyday life, but it's a very profound influence that, that the contemplative life has had on our whole civilization. And really, it's your prayers as you offer them to God that kind of, I think, sustain the world. You've probably placated some divine punishments by the prayers that you offer to God. Well, that's said, and I, I think it's quite true. God has his own plans, divine providence doesn't always operate according to this or that principle, but that is something that's been noticed that uh, particularly holy souls, I think of St. Padre Pio or others, uh, are hidden away, uh, are supporting probably large portions of the you know, the world of faith, the church, uh, and what's less of civilization. We're in a, a difficult time now. There's quite a, a bit of, of chaos in society, and so it's much needed but you also see less monasteries now, so that's maybe an indication, and there need to be more. But I see a, a great, a great movement of young people coming back to this uh, kind of monastic life. We have many, many young people coming, and so I think there's great hope that it will be no revival, the contemplative life. So as monks, you sing the praises of God, you chant the divine office, the seven hours of the divine office every day. So your monks are well-trained then, and I watched a little press video about this project, and so you have a choir master who works with all the monks to sing, and I guess it would seem quite natural then for a group of monks, a monastery, an abbey, to come out then with uh, a musical CD, and this has happened in other venues and other uh, monasteries have done the same thing, and so your CD focuses specifically on Advent, it's called Rorate Chaley, Marian Sounds of Advent. And I think, first of all, maybe we should talk a little bit about Advent before we delve into the CD yes. and Rorate Chaley, because Advent is one of those seasons that comes about, and it's pretty quick, because you have the first week of Advent, and then in a blink of an eye, you have Christmas. Of course, for the monk, as you're praying every day, it's probably a bit slower. But for those in the world, as we go about from engagement to engagement and getting ready for Christmas and all of these things, it's just kind of a blur. So I think maybe your CD yeah. can help people slow down a little bit. But what is the purpose of the season of Advent? Well, you have the biggest event in the history of the world when God's Son became flesh born and even the world as you say 
prepares for Christmas with even you know, agitation. It's an important event for a great number of people. And so uh, we all know, those in the world, they know that it's kind of superficial and that there's too many parties and too much buying and selling and everything. So they kind of count on somebody to pay attention to the deeper meaning of it all. And I think if they, anyone would take the CD we were putting out and listen to it a couple of times and read at least part of the texts, that, you know, the biblical texts, you know, will really help you enter into it and you'll understand why Advent is such an important thing. It's, it's uh, one of the most important things in the world to be prepare. In the world, often you can't. It depends on just the way society works. But, but uh, everyone can step... Everyone should be a little bit monk. And the monks should be all, all, all the way. You know, that's the idea. Everyone who wants to uh, have peace, a certain peace of mind and coherence in their life should be a little bit like a monk or a nun. Yeah, and the season of Advent, really there's three Advents. The first is the coming of Christ, then it's his birth, and then it's his return at the end of time. And maybe you could even add a fourth Advent that every time we receive Holy Communion, that's a coming of Jesus into our life. But it's really a season not only to prepare for Christmas, but to prepare for final judgment. Is that right? That's true. That's true. The the uh, St. Bernard and other doctors the Church pointed out the various dimensions of Advent beyond just the celebrating the birth of Christ, because you're asking, in Isaiah, the, our CD is based on text of Isaiah, who is, you might say, the fifth evangelist. So, so stunning are some of the things he says. You'd think you were at the Bethlehem, or you were at the Calvary, and so Isaiah was saying, you know, calling on God to rend the heavens, to break open the heavens and come down. People of the Old Testament were waiting for the Messiah. It was great. And then uh, also calling on the God to rain down grace and influence so that the earth would germinate and bring forth the Savior. And that's, the, that's a really uh, profound look at Advent through the eyes of the prophets in, of Old and the Old Testament. So Advent does have kind of this Marian character to it. It's a very Marian season, not only because during Advent we have a few Marian feast days. We have the Immaculate Conception. And then we have uh, Our Lady of Loreto that the Holy Father, Pope Francis, recently added. And then we have Our Lady of Guadalupe. So you have Marian feast days right. in the season. So it's Marian in character right. by that. But there's this sense that Mary has, I always call it her nine months of Advent, because she's this Jewish girl who now was waiting with her ancestors for the coming of the Messiah. She knows the Messiah is coming. And now for nine months, she carries him in in her womb until she has that encounter, that meeting with him in that manger of Bethlehem. So she has this advent of uh, her own life as as she carries the Christ child. What, how else is the season of Advent a Marian season by nature? Well, there's something about the Blessed Virgin Mary that's hidden. She wasn't a public figure, really, except among the apostles, perhaps, at some point. But she's hidden away in her little house, you know, uh, in, uh, in uh, Nazareth and then uh, and elsewhere. She is behind the scenes, but doing more than anyone else. And Advent is a time for souls who appreciate this, you know, to get away and get behind the scenes and live a certain hidden life, which is so rich for those who are able to do it, whether monks or people living in the world who have, through the rosary or other devotions, can have a time of contemplative prayer 
it is sort of the best thing. It, it close, brings you closest to heaven in in those moments. And so she's a great guide in her prayer life and uh, seeing what's most important in the world, which is to say her son is the center of it all. She's pointing, she doesn't point to herself, but she's pointing to the Savior that she's bringing forth. Another key component of Advent and Our Lady is the fact of this Rorate Cheli Mass, as it's called. And this is the very basis of the album that the monks of Clear Creek have released. And as, in a sense, it simply goes through the Rorate Cheli Mass, singing the different antiphons or chants or uh, mass parts. And I guess the, maybe what's the foundation or how did the Rorate Cheli Mass first emerge? Well, uh, the Rorate Cheli Mass and the older missals, it's, it's present in the new missile, newer missile too, but in the older missiles, it was the, 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 the habit too of having a special day for the Blessed Virgin on Saturdays. And so this Rorate introit, this, is, this prayer, which is for one of the Sundays of Advent, was taken on Saturdays to commemorate the Blessed Virgin Mary through Advent. And it became very popular in some places to have a special Mass for before dawn, and they have candles, and people like to go to that Mass. But for us monks, it's always before dawn, and we are <laughs> early Mass, and we do it every Saturday. And uh, yeah, it's linked to a certain Marian uh, practice in the uh, liturgy, gone for centuries, where we honor the Blessed Virgin Mary, especially on Saturdays. And the word Rorate Cheli, what does that actually mean? So uh, you have the prayer, the chant of Rorate Cheli, and I guess, what are some of the lines right. in English? Well, the idea is, uh, is from Isaiah. He's saying, uh, drop down dew from heaven. It really kind of means what we would call rain. You know, in poetic language of the Bible, they think of the clouds and the rain is sort of the same thing as the dew that we see as, as you know, modern men as something that appears on the surface of the earth in the morning. But the idea is that, you know, uh, God would rain down influence and grace upon the earth to make it fecundated, that would be, uh, be able to produce, as in a desert place, and the holy land's often dry, and the rain is a blessing blessing that comes down, the idea to make the earth germinate, in this case the Blessed Virgin Mary, to bring forth life, the most perfect and you know, absolute life, the prince of life. And so it's all based on kind of that imagery, and a lot of the chants come from that uh, idea of Isaiah, you know, and we have various chants on the record that are from uh, just Marian uh, antiphons in, in Advent. Uh, we had this Alma Rhythm Taurus Mater, you know, we Many Christians are familiar with the, with the Salve Regina, which is what is sung at the end of Compline in the monastic office. But in Advent, it's Alma, this other beautiful Marian hymn. So it sort of uh, comes from various elements. They're not all linked together, but the intuition of Isaiah is pretty key here in this album and the CD that we've produced. Your CD is entirely in Latin, if I'm not mistaken, and there are lots of people out there who probably don't have as much of a familiarity with Latin or with the words. So, first of all, why is Latin important, and 
why should they listen to this if maybe they can't understand the words, but maybe there's some guide that can help them. Right. So, Well, the, uh, the album, the CD, has the translation with it in French and English, and you can follow along, as people have for centuries. There's something about the Latin as a sacred language that's been used in the church for centuries, Second Vatican Council also specified that Latin should be retained for liturgical life. And so that's just been the way it is. Gregorian chant, you can't really separate from the Latin. It's it's written in Latin. It's a little bit like for the for the you know, the in the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures, it has to be in Hebrew, it just wouldn't work if they were translated. And and for us, to a certain extent, in the Western world, you know, the Greeks have their Greek, but we have our Latin, and the chants and everything, they're so venerable, they can't really be uh, put in another language. We can have chants in English if you want, but the Gregorian chant, which is the proper, really, to Benedictine monks, it's sort of our heritage, it has to be in Latin, and it, we just would lose the beauty and the, the power of it. I've had many people who don't know Latin derive great benefit from just listening to the, there's a power in this, in this uh, kind of music that pacifies the soul, but we do encourage them to read, at least in part, the, the lyrics, I guess you would say in modern terms, the, the words, the text that is, accompanies the CD. It is a bit of a, a, a well, monks learn Latin. All of us learn Latin. It's no longer much of a problem, but for those listening, they might have to look at the booklet. And out of all of the different hymns that you have, and I'm looking through, and I know some of them, like Conditor Alme Siderum, I've heard that one before, and the Alma Redemptoris Mater is actually my favorite marrying hymn, partly because it really brings forward the perpetual virginity of Our Lady. You know, she remained a virgin after as before. I, I really love that. And also that she gave birth to her creator, so acknowledging that Jesus was a part of the act of creation. So it really exudes a beautiful Marian theology. So I, I very much appreciate the Alma Redemptoris Mater. But as the monks sang all of these and recorded these different uh, antiphons and hymns and mass parts, etc. cetera, uh, which one is maybe your favorite? Do you have a favorite uh, hymn on this album? Well, it uh, <clears throat> begins with a piece called Rorate, which is something we sing during Advent at the time we have Exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. Before it, standing towards the Blessed Sacrament, we sing this Rorate, which is that same appeal of Isaiah to God to rain down the Savior. It's kind of the ecclesiastical text inspired from Holy Scripture, and it's a beautiful hymn. We have first the first uh, piece on the CD is that <clears throat> in Gregorian chant, and the last piece is the same thing in a certain polyphony. Now, we in our Divine Office, we only use Gregorian chant, but on this album, we did a couple of pieces in polyphony where you have several voices, bass and tenor and this kind of thing, you know, composed by a, a friend of ours uh, who is uh, Mark Donnelly, a very uh, gifted composer. <clears throat> so that's that sort of highlights the same text and it gives you a little variety and something a little more uh, easy for the modern ear to pick up. So that that was kind of the favorite piece of the CD. First for the first piece and the last piece are both this Roratichia, the ecclesiastical composition of some monk probably in the Middle Ages who composed it. Yeah, it's very beautiful. And Another aspect, too, is that the CD, for example, you have the Mass of Our Lady in Advent, uh, tracks 2 to 10, 
And you include some of the mass parts. So the Kyrie, the Gloria, the Alleluia, the Agnus Dei, the Sanctus. So, um, of course, this this is going to be listened to outside of mass, but people are going to hear that. So what's the value of hearing mass parts uh, when they're not in the mass? Well, there's uh, <clears throat> these are some of the most important compositions in the civilization. They're really incomparable little gems, uh, not in the sense of something sensational, like the latest you know uh, composer or worldly success, <clears throat> but they are very uh, important. When we do an album of Gregorian chants, as we often do, we just take a particular theme, we take the Mass, uh, Holy Mass, which is the center, summit and center of our liturgical life, we take that, and uh, we find in the variety that you get through the Kyrie, unused, sanctus, you know, the opportunity to hear a variety, the different ranges of Gregorian chant and the whole thing, uh, the message, the central message of Mass is, is of course, uh, even more important than anything else. So it's just sort of what happens when monks record, they usually will take different parts of Holy Mass of that particular season or theme. That's kind of how we often often do it. Is this the first CD that the monks of Clear Creek have put out? No, we, we, <clears throat> we put out another one, another CD, about 10 years ago, which is going to be uh, on sale again here uh, pretty soon. Under the same, well, the same conditions as the uh, Rorate one <clears throat> through uh, the Montfort Sophia Institute Music, and uh, it was about the Annunciation. This is the this is the patron saint of our monastery. It's basically typical of monastic virtues: the the uh, humility of Our Lady. You know, when she says, "Behold the handmaid of the Lord," Etche, behold the handmaid of the Lord, and then when she says. Fiat Miki, let it be done to me according to thy word. It's her obedience. These are like the main points of monastic life. And so it's, she's a perfect patron saint for our monastery. And that was our first first CD was uh, Ece Fiat, you know, about the uh, Annunciation. Do you think there will be another CD? Oh, perhaps, but it's it's a quite a big distraction for monks to have the recording and all these things, interviews, so... Maybe in 10 years, maybe four, I'm not sure, but not right away. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of the story of the movie Integrate Silence, where this uh, producer yes. or director wrote the Carthusian Monastery and said, I would like to do a documentary or film on your life or whatever. And he didn't hear anything from these monks. And maybe it was like 20 years later, they wrote back and said, yes, you can come. So so I totally understand that you, know, <laughs> you need the distance. You need... You need yeah. some time, like 10 years, uh, just to continue to live the life uh, right. that, that you're leading. Now, this is probably going to be a little controversial question, but, you know, this is on the minds of lots of different people, I think. And your monastery yes. uh, does the extraordinary form, the the old Latin mass, whatever language we wish to use. And it seems that the Latin mass these days has been persecuted. Some archbishops and whatnot have even tried to eliminate it from their diocese. And so, why right. um, will your monastery be safe from kind of the document of the Holy Father and such? Like, will you'll be able to continue in the way that you're presently celebrating the Mass? I think we shall. We shall. Our bishop supports us. <clears throat> the Holy See, the Pope, and they're, they're more concerned about the dioceses and uh, so many young 
seminarians and priests want to celebrate in the older form. So uh, I really think in the end, we'll come back to an acceptance of that because so many young people are for this. It just can't really be stopped. If God wants it, it's not going to be stopped. But we always obey. We obey, and we're, we're under no order to desist from this. Also, we have been trying to be conciliatory to take some of the elements of the newer liturgical reform that are perfectly traditional and incorporate some of those into our liturgy. So so we have the 62 Missal, that's what we use, the 1962 Missal. We do have a few new prefaces. We're adding some of the new saints to our calendar with permission from Rome always. So, you know, liturgy shouldn't be a fossil to the new liturgy was such a revolution in many ways that people wanted security and go back to something that didn't change. I agree with that, but still never been a fossil. The, ever since St. Pius V published the Missal that we more or less follow in 1570, there's always been small changes. The thing is, in 1970, it was a very big change. But anyway, we were trying to help find an understanding of the church because it's not just, it shouldn't be just a war between conservatives and liberals. It should be a, you know, an effort to respect the mystery of the church. It's a, it's a mother. It's not a, a place of political controversy. So, Yes, basically, though, we, I feel pretty secure that we will continue with the older form, which goes very well with our contemplative life. I really appreciate the extraordinary form, and uh, I've never celebrated myself. I've attended it and such, and so, um, yeah, I have a, a special place for it in my heart and whatnot. And I, I just think of the fact that saints celebrated this Mass, and so it's very much uh, a part of the life and our tradition and, and uh, these saints that we honor and celebrate so reverently. I was just talking to a priest friend, a, a classmate he was visiting, and he uh, basically recounted to me the first time that he went to an extraordinary form mass. It was Palm Sunday, and he was just blown away by the reverence, by everything that took place at that mass. And and he said this that event was ten years ago or fifteen years ago, and he's able to still talk about it so eloquently today that it really yes. remained with him. So the Latin mass does make an impression on a person and on their soul and. Even if you haven't been to a Latin Mass, I think your CD is going to give them a good taste of what they would experience at yes. a solemn Mass. That's true. Absolutely, Father. You're right. Well, Father Abbott, this has been a great conversation that we've had today about uh, Mary, the season of Advent, about your new CD, Rorate Celi, that your monks have sung on. And I'm sure your voice is in there as well. Is that right? Yes, yes. I'm not a main cantor in this in this one. I'm just uh, in there, though. I am in there, yes. Sure. And so I'm wondering, how can people find this album? How can they go get it so that they can use it as part of their preparation for Christmas? Well, um, if you would go to our own website, or just type in a browser on the computer, Clear Creek Monks, you would find our website. <clears throat> and on the front page, the main page of the website, there's a little uh, title at the top that says latest. It's like news, you know, and that will take you right to what you need. You could also go to Sophia Music Group uh, on the, .com on the Internet, and they will have it be displaying that prominently on Sophia Music Group. So clearcreekmonks.org or sophiamusicgroup.com. And that's great. And, you know, enough time to get it in order to use it during the season of Advent. I'd recommend right. people playing it on their way to work or having it on as background noise as a way to really make present the sacred and the ordinariness of our daily life. 
absolutely. And thanks so much, Father Abbott, for joining me today. And I encourage everybody to go out and look for Clear Creek Abbey and uh, to find their latest city, Rorate Chele. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show and for all the many ways that you support the podcast. If you want to help out the podcast, be sure to check out Sock Religious. I love their socks. I love their shirts. And so go over to Sock Religious, use the link in the show notes, and buy some holy socks or some holy shirts that you can wear to evangelize your family and your friends. If you also want to support the podcast, I invite you to please share the podcast with your friends or on your social media platforms. Rate or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't mind, please follow me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My handle is at FR Edward Looney. You'll see all of the posts, all of the content that I put out each week by following me there. Thanks so much again for listening today. Know that I am entrusting you to the heart of Mary, asking her to pray for you this day and every day. And if you don't mind, say a prayer for me too. Let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.